20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 439 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer and editor for Packer Reports. Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at NFL. Today, super excited to be breaking down the Packers' 34-24 win versus the Dallas Cowboys at the friendly confines of AT&T Stadium. Of course, they moved to 4-1 on the season, and joining me this evening uh, to break down everything is Packaday Podcast's very own Kyle Fellows. You can find him uh, usually every Friday here on the Packaday Podcast, of course. But today he's gracious enough to join me for today's post-game show. And really, Kyle, I needed a post-game expert. The Packers have had almost all Thursday night games <laughs> to the preseason and, of course, the two Thursday night preseason games already. So you've done a ton of post-game shows already, so I couldn't think of anyone better uh, to join me tonight. And in all seriousness, I super appreciate uh, the work that you do you are always fantastically on top of your game and i'm super excited for you to be joining me today well thanks andy it's a privilege to be on the show with you and it's a great occasion to do it as we got to see the packers uh win a good game there in dallas tonight yeah it's super exciting to be four and one and i think you know kyle probably the best place to start is just kind of our gut reactions and initial takeaways so i'm going to start with you just kind of you know a thousand foot look down what was your kind of view at this game and the biggest takeaways from it Man, man, this game was a ton of fun to watch. I had a couple guys over, and so uh, I did a little bit of fan watching today in this game. And, uh, man, it was really fun to get out early to that that lead and just feel like things were completely in control. And then we just kind of felt like things were just kind of starting to slip away from us there uh, towards the end of the game. You just kind of got a little bit nervous. So um, lots and lots of fun. Great game. Uh, really fun to see this offense with a little bit different uh, take with the running game taking such a, um, a front seat in this game. And so um, just a, a, you'd go into Dallas anytime you can go on the road and get a win against a team that's 3-1. and one, You feel pretty good coming out of that. And I think if fans uh, were told at the beginning of the season that they were going to be 4-1 and one after the first five games of the season, especially with the roster just completely redone as it was and with a new head coach, I think you'd be pretty happy talking about four and one and so I think that's where we're sitting today no question and I think it's always interesting right so if you would have said the Packers would win 34-24 in Dallas you know no matter what you take that but there's always this interesting dynamic of when you have this you know big three score 21 point lead and then you're kind of just holding on at the end it never feels quite the same as maybe if you know they were down 24 to 17 and then reeled off 17 straight points at the end but of course it doesn't matter when they score the 34 points or how they hold the opposing team to 24 If, if they had scored you know like I said 34 in the second half and had this you know maybe it feels different but it's still a super impressive win and you're going to take that every single time and like you said you're going to take four and one every single time as well Absolutely. It's it's a great start to the season and you can't be happier uh, for especially Matt LaFleur as he's just trying to get his footing, you know, in this with this new team and and finding success early is huge for his confidence, I'm sure. 
Absolutely. And, and and a couple of my, you know, just kind of gut reaction takeaways. I didn't think this was necessarily a, a particularly well-played game by Green Bay. I thought they gave up a ton of yards, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, I thought they, they spread the ball around well, but they never really got their receivers going in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they, of course, had the three interceptions. Dallas missed two field goals. This was a game that definitely came down to turnovers. But you go on the road, like you said, against a three-and-one football team. You don't have a lot of your weapons, like a Devonte Adams and just a, a lot of players that either were injured going into the game or that left the game injured, which we'll also get to in just a moment. But you have that type of game, and and again, it, it didn't always feel fully functional, but still a, a three-digit twenty-one point game at, at one point, another seventeen-point lead later, and it just felt like you know they did everything that they needed to to win this game, even if it was a little bit disjointed here and there. Yeah, absolutely. And you pointed out like the fact that they did have Devontae Adams missing in this game. And I think a lot of fans were really nervous about that coming into this. And we saw uh, the Packers played their offense a little bit differently. And I mean, literally ran their offense through Aaron Jones and found a lot of success there. So uh, a little bit different, but Aaron, uh, Adams was not the factor that maybe we thought he would be as an absence in this game. No, certainly not. And they, they had the right game plan getting the getting the ball to Aaron Jones early and often. Uh, one other initial takeaway that I just want to get your thoughts on. Can we just touch base quickly on that Aaron Rodgers throw to Robert Tanyan down the sideline? Because <laughs> that was some absolute vintage Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, just break it down. What did, what did you see on that play? And just, just talk to me about it because I'm still kind of uh, flabbergasted by exactly what happened on that play. I'm so glad you brought it up because I knew talking to you, we were not going to get out of this podcast without talking <laughs> about uh, the Robert Tanyan contribution. And that was a play where I was just sitting on my couch. And as soon as Aaron Rodgers steps up in the pocket and looks like he may even, you know, his forward momentum is going pretty fast. So I thought, you know, maybe he's going to run. And then as soon as he sets up and he throws, I just said, oh, wow. Like I knew as soon as he threw that ball that it was going to be a completion and you just kind of saw it coming together so beautifully. And the way that, you know, Tanyan came down on the sideline, it was just, it was just a beautifully, you know, the way it came together, it couldn't have been done any better. And it's, it's just one of those things you look at Aaron Rodgers and I was sitting there talking to a Cowboys fan who came over to my house. So forgive me for that, but he was sitting there <laughs> and he was giving us a hard time, you know, about how we've transitioned from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the, the Packers fans who were over were saying, yeah, we honestly will just have such a struggle someday when we have to maybe have a quarterback quarterbacking our team who is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, I mean, that was just one one example, one play where this game was really about the running game, but we even had those flashes just in that play where uh, you remember that Aaron Rodgers is quarterbacking your team, and it's pretty special. Yeah, and as much as I'd love to talk about Robert Tanyan, and kudos to him for making that play, this, this is not a discussion about what Robert Tanyan did on that play. <laughs> this is fully a discussion about what Aaron Rodgers did on that play, and it's just those type of plays that, you know, even as Packer fans, uh, you know, we've come accustomed to seeing plays like that through the course of the last three decades. And you see seemingly something like that once a game, but a play like that still just, uh, you just have to take a moment and even whether you're uh, watching the game live or watching it later or seeing a highlight of it or talking about it on a podcast, you just have to take a moment and marvel at some of the things that Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing at the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty special stuff. We are a blessed fan group and hopefully we recognize how blessed we are. 
Very much so. And like you said, someday when that transition happens, uh, it's not going to be pretty, uh, but uh, hopefully they can pick up <laughs> another first ballot Hall of Famer whenever Rodgers is done playing and just kind of keep the keep the train rolling there. But uh, that, that probably brings us a good point to transition to the Packers offense as a whole. Rodgers finishes the day 22 of 34 passing, 238 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Packers receivers on the day, a total of four catches for 55 yards and, of course, no touchdowns. Uh, they outrushed Dallas from a running back standpoint. I made the bold prediction before the game uh, that they would outrush Dallas in this game, and they had done so up until the final three kneel downs for Aaron Rodgers, which put them three yards behind the Cowboys for a total rushing total. I'm not bitter about it at all, uh, Kyle, <laughs> but uh, Rodgers did complete passes to nine different players, and, of course, uh, the big performance by Aaron Jones, 19 carries, 107 yards, Four touchdowns. Hopefully people out there had him on their fantasy team. Seven receptions for 75 yards. This was a vintage Aaron Jones performance. But what did you see from the offense and, and what were kind of your takeaways there? Yeah, you, you covered a lot of it. But, I mean, they came into this game and they wanted to run the ball. That was pretty evident. And they ran it really, really well. I thought uh, Aaron Rodgers was sharp as well. I know that it's going to be overshadowed by the game that Aaron Jones had. But uh, Rodgers was really a distributor in this game. And he did that job really well. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about Aaron Jones quite a bit in this show, just by the nature of the incredible game that he had. But um, getting the ball to 33 seemed like the game plan that the Packers were committed to. And it did work really, really nicely. Um, I think we can file this one away as a Matt LaFleur making Aaron Rodgers' job easier with the running game. Uh, and today, with the way that this game kind of unfolded, that was enough. And so, a uh, really special game from the offense from that standpoint, especially when you're talking about the creativity that they probably had to come in with, with Devontae Adams not suiting up for this game. But uh, interesting that uh, Jimmy Graham seemed like a high priority early in the game. And then um, maybe not quite as much later on as, you know, the running game kind of took over and those kinds of things. I was curious to watch to see if that would continue uh, with the game that he had last week. And then uh, the second week in a row that the Packers had first and 10 from the one and did not come away with that touchdown. So uh, not to be critical, you know, this is a great game. We're not going to talk about uh, the negatives for long, but that was uh, an interesting uh, development with two weeks in a row with that one yard stand for the defense on this offense. Yeah, you bring up a lot of great points there. I think the the big one is I really liked how Matt LaFleur and, and the, the offense used the running backs in this game. And it wasn't necessarily just Aaron Jones as, as a pure running back. They got him involved in the screen game. Uh, like I said, he caught seven passes for 75 yards. They used him on checkdowns. I thought Trey Carson played well. Uh, nothing sexy, nothing flashy, but he ran hard. He was consistent. He, he was kind of as advertised. Everything that we saw to him in the preseason. Uh, and I thought he put up a, a nice performance when they needed him to. And uh, I just thought it was a, a really great way to get the running backs involved throughout the entirety of this game. And even when they, you know, they only handed the ball off to Aaron Jones 19 times. So he was the bell cow in this game, but 26 touches total. I think this is kind of the type of Aaron Jones game that that Packer fans and analysts and, and everyone else has kind of been asking for for a long time. You don't necessarily have to feed him 34 times a game running the football, but a nice balance of 19 runs, seven catches, you know, 25, 26 touches a game. He showed exactly today what he can do with that type of production. I know there's the talk about the smaller frame, but let's not pretend guys like Ray Rice, you know, who are, and I don't want to bring up a player that's controversial here, but that's just 
the first player <laughs> of that kind of stature that came into my mind wasn't a bell cow for, for the Baltimore Ravens for a period of time. And uh, Maurice Jones drew who maybe had a little bit more, you know, weight on him. I'd have to look at the, the, the height weight numbers on him, but you know, there've been smaller running backs that have been the bell cow in this league. All indications were that Aaron Jones came into this season. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers classified it as a little less flabby. I think he was kind of kidding, uh, but maybe a little <laughs> serious there. So uh, I think this is exactly the type of game that the Packers and, and their fans want out of Aaron Jones. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that Jamal Williams is someone that, you know, we obviously hate that he's not out on the field for the reasons, especially that he's not out on the field. Uh, but you do wonder what role he would have had in this game. I, I, there were a couple moments late in the game where I was thinking this could be a good situation where he could come in and kind of, uh, you know, milk the clock a little bit and do some of that hard running in the middle just to spell Aaron Jones because he did take kind of a beating getting all the yards that he did tonight. Uh, but yeah, I thought the Packers did a great job. Uh, Trey Carson looked comfortable. Like you said, he contributed, even if it wasn't sexy, he kind of allowed the Packers to do what they wanted to do on the ground, mixing things up. So a great uh, night on the ground from the running backs for sure. For sure. And you could tell, uh, they they benefited from having that second half back today. Of course, Jamal Williams goes down the very first play against Philadelphia, and they only have one half back the entire rest of that game. And uh, there were times where they just had to go with Vitaly as the lone setback because they, they needed to get Aaron Jones some rest in that game and couldn't just continuously play him. So uh, the fact that they had Carson in this game was a benefit as well. But a lot a lot of good to take away from the offense. Again, I think that, that, that four catches for 55 yards still shows that they are a little ways away from being able to to be a, a complete team offensively if Devontae Adams is out. And, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Kyle. I know the, the big, big discussion has been that uh, the Packers don't have the receivers they need. Of course, some of the names that have brought up, you know, have been brought up is Emmanuel Sanders or A.J. Green, or uh, there have been all the, the different receivers who have kind of brought up. Uh, but do you think that they have the, the weapons that they need on offense, or is this another indication that, hey, hey maybe the, this is a little bit too dependent upon what Devontae Adams could do? And if you got later in the season, season and Devante would happen to miss a game in the playoffs, for instance, this team is not going to be able to succeed because they don't have the weapons that they need on offense. It's a really good question. And I, it's really hard because I would not want to give up premium draft capital to acquire a player, especially a player that is a rental. And uh, I think that some of those guys you're talking about with AJ Green, especially being a really attractive option, he's a player that is often injured and he's a player that is on that last year of his contract. So I don't know what that would cost to acquire someone like that. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is intriguing, like you said. Um, I think that this is a team that's probably going to draft a receiver next year. And I I think that because it does take Aaron Rodgers some time to get on the same page with his receivers, I think that Brian Gutekunst will probably take that into consideration. And unless Devontae Adams is in a position where he is going to miss an extended period of time, I think they may just look at this and say, like, hey, by the time somebody gets on the same page with Rodgers, uh, it may not be worth it for us to give up that capital. And we'll just continue to invest in these young wide receivers and see what MVS uh, can do and some of these other guys. But Jake Kumaro was someone that maybe uh, some people thought uh, could contribute today. We didn't really see that as much. And then Darius Shepard did have that one look in the end zone uh, where the penalty was called. And I think he might be something. They might have more to develop there. So I think the Packers will stick with what they've got for a while. I'm, I'm with you on both accounts, and especially on that Darius Shepard comment. He actually ran that same exact route against Philadelphia towards the end of the game, 
And uh, he completely smoked the corner on that play as well. It was unfortunate because there was only one safety over the top. And, of course, he was playing right over Shepard on the play. And then, two Rodgers just wasn't looking his way anyway. So uh, they couldn't take advantage of it. But he absolutely smoked his corner on that route in Philly. And then he gets the chance to run it again against Dallas and completely smoked his uh, corner again. And had it not been for a hold and maybe a slightly better throw, maybe there's there's something there. And, honestly, Shepard probably still had a chance at that, even though it was a difficult catch. But uh, I I do think that there's something there. He shows great quickness in and out of his breaks. I think there, I don't know if there's not quite the trust there yet because uh, he, he didn't play a ton of snaps. There was, I want to say maybe only a handful uh, and uh, you would assume if, if you know, things come back and Devontae Adams uh, gets back healthy that MVS, Allison, and it would seem Kumaro maybe are all still ahead of him. But uh, from just based off of the little that I've seen in him in the regular season games, of course, we saw what he could do in preseason, but it's a totally different ball game when the, the regular season hits. I still have liked what I've seen in limited snaps so far. Yeah, and especially in an offense that's void of Randall Cobb, who we all mournfully saw playing for the other team today, uh, I think a similar skill set, and I'm not saying they're the same player, but maybe some of that quick twitch kind of slot action that we got from Randall Cobb is something that we could see uh, Shepard eventually kind of morph into that kind of a player. No, totally agree. It'll be interesting to see uh, if he can get to that level, but uh, some some good things that he's been putting on tape, which is a positive. Let's uh, transition to the Packers' defense. This was a really interesting game to evaluate. I'm super excited. I'm always excited to break down the tape and put the grades together, but this is one that I'm going to be really interested to see kind of how players and, and, and the team as a whole grades out. Because if you look at it on paper, Cowboys had 32 first downs, 563 total yards, 8.3 yards per play. So just think about that a second. That's 8.3 yards per play. That's almost a first down every single play. They had time of possession, 36 minutes and 43 seconds, but three huge turnovers, Mm -hmm. two missed field goals, and two of eight on third down. So a lot of the Cowboys shooting themselves in the foot, and credit to Green Bay, a lot of taking away the football as well. Of course, Zedarius had two sacks, Preston had a sack. You had INTs by Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Chandon Sullivan. Uh, And, of course, we had Zedarius Smith do the beautiful Ray Lewis dance, which we'll touch base on in just a second. But then again, on the flip side, Amari Cooper, 11 catches, 226 yards and a touchdown. He absolutely feasted today. And then Michael Gallup, other side, seven catches, 113 yards and a touchdown. They did limit Zeke to only 91 yards total on 14 touches, but 91 yards on 14 touches isn't that bad. It was more that Dallas had to pass their way back into the game more than they actually stopped Zeke. Uh, They just kind of had to pass rather than, you know, continuing to feed him so that he, you know, they wouldn't eat up the clock while they were continuously handing the ball to him. Uh, but this was just a really up and down interesting game and one of those ones that's, that's kind of tough to evaluate when you look at the numbers. Yeah, it totally is. And with the game, I was surprised when I, like you said, pulled up the 563 yards of offense. Like on paper, that's just, it's just crazy. And I didn't realize that they were two of eight on third down. That's a stat I missed. And so that explains some of their missed opportunities and those kinds of things. Uh, but the one thing I think that you may not have said because you covered so much there is that the flow of the game, I think, is the one thing that benefited the Packers just with the Zeke Elliott factor. Um, I would imagine that they probably would have tried uh, to find a little bit more success with Zeke on the ground, just limiting what the Packers could, you know, kind of predict on defense, especially with the way that the game 
game went in Philly last week. So um, just, you know, kind of crazy, like you said, to look at the paper uh, and see the stats and realize what we saw on the screen was a little bit different, or at least the way that it felt. But I'm curious to kind of flip this back to you, Andy. Um, your thoughts on Jair Alexander, because we've come to know him as a dominant corner, and he made some really nice plays in this game. Obviously, he had uh, the interception and a couple pass breakups. Uh, but you listed Amari Cooper's stat line of 11 to 26 and a touchdown. And some of those, you know, at least a good portion of them were on Jair's watch. So I'm curious your thoughts on uh, the night that Jair had tonight. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the uh, the coaches like we got to go back and look at the film. We're going to have to go back and look at the film. No, but uh, sure. um, I, I'm definitely excited to break him down. I, I noted earlier this week he was my only I think he was my only defender that has graded positively in every single game so far. And I think that may very well be in question this game. Uh, there were a couple plays where you could tell he was playing in cover four and expecting some help in the middle and just didn't get it. There was a little bit of that. I also noted it's just such a bizarre game sometimes, whereas uh, Jair had almost lockdown coverage the first four games of the season and no interceptions, nothing really fell his way. Uh, just, you know, he just played good football. And then, of course, on a, a play that he gets completely beat by Amari Cooper on he ends up with an interception it's just that's the way the game is sometimes it's just so odd Uh, but I do think that this is going to be one where he's going to learn from and and I think it's tough sometimes for a young player when you are talked about as highly and and uh, this is not a mistake he was talked about highly for a reason he's been playing fantastic football through the first four weeks of the season Uh, this is not one of those where a player gets hyperbole maybe because of their first round draft grade and maybe he makes a, a couple interceptions but really his coverage isn't that great that that's nothing like that at all the first four weeks he's been phenomenal but sometimes that can get in your head a little bit and sometimes when you're going against a a really good receiver you want to play your best and you think that you've seen something on tape they took advantage of him on on double moves a couple times i had some success with that so this is going to be a learning game and and here's the thing that i'll say uh it's always best when you can have your your learning game your 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 game to bounce back from in a win and in a game where you still had a very big interception that helped kind of swing things in the packers favor early in this game so it's not like he he you know blew this game or by any stretch of the imagination I, i think the one that he would really like to have back is the touchdown late by Cooper because at that point in the game you're as a defense you're just no no big plays right so uh, you're you don't want to give up touchdowns of course but the goal there is to have them take up five to six minutes to get in the red zone and then if by chance they do score a touchdown you tip your cap and you're kind of okay with trading six six and a half seven minutes for a touchdown in that scenario. Uh, But the one thing that you can't allow, of course, is big plays so that they can score quickly. So uh, I think actually on that play, what what I think he's going to learn from, and this may seem a little bit odd, is, is either A, uh, just playing off a little bit more and just understanding the situation, but B, he needs to completely tackle him like before the, the pass is completed. And he was burnt on the play, and I thought there was an opportunity where he could have just kind of, uh, you know, taken his medicine and, and given up the 15-yard or the spot personal foul, or uh, excuse me, pass interference penalty, I guess I should say. I think he honestly just has to grab him there and make sure that he doesn't catch that ball and take the penalty and live to see another down. So I think that's something that he's going to learn from but uh, i'm really interested to see how how he grades out as the the course of the week goes on and i'm able to break it down a little bit more what did you see 
No, I mean, I just saw it's the same things you did. And I mean, I think it's important just to, to remember that this is still a young player and to not uh, overreact to a game like this. Because obviously there were some things that he'd want back that he'd want to do differently. Um, but we need to just keep in mind that this is still an ascending player and a player who had a mixed game. I mean, he had some really, really nice plays as well. Obviously, the interception was kind of a gift, but there were a couple of pass defense where he was in the in the receiver's pocket and did a really nice job in coverage. So uh, he'll learn from this, and going forward, I think you still feel really good about him being your CB1 on this team. No question, and I think the last thing to, to note here is you know, hopefully not to this extent, hopefully not players, you know, putting up 200 plus yards in a touchdown, uh, but which again is not fully on Jay or any stretch of the imagination, but there's going to be days like this because Green Bay is going to play a lot of man-to-man coverage one-on-one with Kevin King and Jair Alexander on the outside, and they're going to trust those guys. And if there's going to be times where they get beat on plays and that's okay, because with the ability to play one-on-one on the outside, you're helping everything else in the middle of the field. Eventually, I think that run defense is going to be stronger because of it. They're going to be able to put some eight-man boxes when they need to, and uh, they're going to be able to really kind of shut players down in the slot. So there's going to be times, because you're playing so much one-on-one, man-to-man coverage on the outside with King and Jair, that those guys just inherently are going to have some bad days here and there. Now, I'm not you know, uh, you know, know, saying that this should happen any with any regularity or that this is okay to happen, but sometimes with just the innate uh, one-on-one coverage that they're going to be playing, some of these things are going to happen a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Definitely. And, you know, again, this is a really young defense, so we'll continue to see how they grow together um, and continue to put good performances on the field as we've seen these first couple weeks of the season, especially early in games. So, and can uh, we talk just really quick? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but can no, we talk good. really quick about that uh, Zadarius Smith-Ray Lewis dance as well? Because <laughs> yeah. that was fantastic. Oh, that was that was special. There was a couple people in my living room who were like, what is that? And I was like, oh, let me tell you <laughs> what, what happened this week. So uh, pretty, pretty special for him to be able to kind of uh, put that in – Back in the face of, you know, a great player, but someone who's obviously talking about something that they don't really understand. Yeah, and for those who aren't fully aware, so Ray Lewis earlier this week, I think it was either yesterday or Friday, basically said something to the extent of uh, Green Bay not having a kind of a true alpha on the front seven of that defense. It was interesting because I think I think Zadarius and some people took it as they didn't have a leader on the defense. I think Ray Lewis was saying it as they don't have that go-to player who can just absolutely disrupt things and, and be kind of your go-to when you need it the most. Either way, whether he was talking about a leader, which Zadarius completely is, or whether it's saying that they don't have an alpha, which Zadarius has been this year, Preston's been this year, and Kenny Clark has been at times this year and certainly has been over the course of the last couple years. They absolutely have some of those guys in the front seven of that defense. Uh, And and Blake's been a a really good leader at the inside linebacker position as well. So it's a ridiculous comment and and kudos to, to Zadarius for hopefully kind of shutting him up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great game all around there for Zadarius, for sure. And playing through those injuries is something that you just, it adds to the amount of respect that you have for him there, for sure. But um, Andy, I'm excited to talk about some special teams. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. I know you've been, uh, you wanted to start with special teams, I think is where you wanted <laughs> to start today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, I'm going to let you take this one. Go nuts on the special teams, man. All right. So J.K. Scott is not normal, folks. This is crazy. Uh, If you want some more precise data to recognize just how not normal he is, 
Uh, let's just do a little bit of a comparison. So we've got Johnny Hecker, who is currently the Rams uh, punter and has the second highest career punt average all time. If I'm looking at this correctly, and this is uh, some some late night number crunching here, but he's <laughs> averaging 47 yards a punt, uh, which is a good number. But tonight, J.K. Scott averaged 49.5 yards on his six punts with a long being 58 yards. Uh, so have yourself a night, JK. That's incredible. And Scott's 2019 regular season average is 48.3 yards per punt on the season, which is, I believe, a top five number in the league. So last year, uh, some of us were wondering if it was a mistake to draft a punter. Um, and some of us were even wondering if we drafted the wrong punter, if you're going to draft a punter. Uh, but now the jokes are on us because Mr. Scott is playing out of his mind and saying that J.K. Scott is a weapon has just kind of become really an understatement at this point because he is impacting the game in a way that has people on Twitter uh, talking about him during the games, designing T-shirts, and uh, <laughs> Packers are now publishing, um, I believe, backgrounds with pictures of J.K. Scott. And so uh, this is someone who is in unconventional ways finding ways to impact the game. He really is. And, and oh, by the way, besides some of the net, you know, average and the average and things like that, two punts inside the 20 today, no touchbacks and the hang time. It's not just necessarily yeah. the length of the punt, but the hang time of the punt has been absolutely incredible. You see a ton of fair catches. You see the opportunity for the defense or excuse me, the special teams to get down there and cover the punt. So this isn't necessarily just a, uh, you know, he's out kicking his coverage sort of thing. And, you know, they're grasping at straws to try to bring down the punt returners. This is him skying punts and giving the, the opposing team no opportunity to return and still all, you know, at times pinning them inside the 20 as well he's just been fantastic yeah absolutely and i i think i mean we are all guilty of our criticism last year when we were upset about the punt the punter being a, a draft pick so uh, good for brian gutekinds and a great call on his part and I'm I'm in the uh, Justice Mosqueda cool school of thought where you know the draft is only three to four rounds long you know for the most part and I actually you know w once you kind of get past that point I look for you know players that you think you can kind of help your team with whether it be on special teams or maybe they have a specialty type of role um, so I thought actually the fact that, and one of the interesting things that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. You have, of course, Jair Alexander, who's a, a stud from that draft class. You get a big-time player, potentially. And Mark Wesveld is scantling down the line, who has the ability to be a playmaker. Uh, it, really good draft. But it'll be interesting, because I think there's an opportunity, if you just kind of look at how these careers you know, go, that J.K. Scott and or Hunter Bradley are actually the longest tenured Packers <laughs> from that draft, because those guys could play 10 or 15 years in Green Bay, and usually position players are just kind of in and out of the league or, you know, transfer to different teams via free agency or trade at some point. So I think there's a legitimate opportunity that with two late round picks, I know it seems ridiculous to spend them on special teams at some point, but they may end up being the longest tenured Packers from last year's draft. Yeah, especially when you want those guys in your camp and you're not sure if you're going to get them as an undrafted player. Um, you might as well spend the draft capital on them, get them in there, and let them be impact players for a long time for your team. So uh, I think teams will probably start doing that more and more as they get into those later rounds and they realize that these are opportunities that we have to secure players that we're not sure if we would get otherwise. Uh, so let's go ahead and spend the draft capital on them for sure. But um, Andy, what about uh, do we have any MVP awards to give out for this game? 
Yeah, and I got criticized last week by Bailey for being a little bit basic. So I'm going to come out today and be completely basic again, and I'm going to go with the completely low-hanging fruit in this one. Uh, Aaron Jones on offense, and, and no questions asked for me. I'm going to go with you know the fact that he not only ran the ball well, but he ran through contact. He made people miss. He erased angles. This was a complete game for him. I saw him pick up a blitz on, on a couple different occasions as well. He has become a complete back this season. I noted earlier this week that Aaron Jones is my second highest rated pack, uh, Packer going into this week, uh, which may have surprised even me, to be honest, because you looked at his numbers going into this week and there's nothing all that sexy about it at all. It was like 3.3 yards per carry and it just he never really got going outside of uh, the touchdowns coming into this week. But you looked at it a little bit further, and I thought you saw a player that was consistently making the first person miss, and unfortunately, a lot of times, he just couldn't make two or three people miss because there were, a lot of times, players constantly in the hole, and a lot of times, holes just weren't you know developing for him, and I thought today, they had a great game plan for him. I thought the line blocked better. They got him involved in the screen game and the passing game, and he showed exactly, again, what he's capable of doing with the ball in his hands, and then on defense, I gotta go Kevin King, and uh, this is not only necessarily for the interception, which was a an interesting interception. There was certainly some physicality. I was surprised <laughs> at minimum they didn't at least review it with how things have been going. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I love the way that he's been playing. But the fact that he came into this game doubtful on Friday, upgraded to questionable on Saturday, plays in the game, not only plays, but plays well, dropped an interception earlier, hung on to the second one. That was a huge game-changing, momentum-changing play because uh, Dallas had just cut it to 14, if I remember correctly. And I think Dallas had just gotten the ball back after Green Bay had to punt on one of those, of course, amazing J.K. Scott punts. And then uh, Dallas was kind of having momentum, even though they were down 14. Uh, King gets the interception, and then uh, they kick the field goal to go up three scores again and really kind of never look back. So sorry, Bailey, if you're listening. Basic answers again, uh, but I really (laughs) like the performances from those two. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I would probably select those guys myself. Those are the two that really stick out. Kevin King, you know, coming in when he starts the week is doubtful, like you said, coming in and uh, just playing the way that he did and impacting the game the way that he did is is really, really impressive. And Aaron Jones, um, not to like brag, but I own Aaron Jones in three out of my three <laughs> fantasy leagues. So tonight I was enjoying this game on multiple fronts, but uh, did did really well for me tonight. But I, I guess if I'm going to pivot a little bit here to maybe giving a little bit of a different answer, I would say um, Zadarius Smith on defense, just because of what he was playing through. You obviously saw that he was trying to trying to just stay out on the field getting the two sacks, the two tackles for loss, and then really just responding with, with that kind of leadership, I think, uh, speaks. There's there's a certain um, level of value to just doing that for your team, even if the impact is not in the stat sheet, even though he did have that as well. So a uh, great game for Zadarius Smith. And then I'll give a little bit of love to the offensive line. Aaron Jones tried to give the game ball to the offensive line after the game, and they refused, and they you know made him take his first game ball there. Um, but there's a I'm going to go back and and look at the game film here because there's a few plays where obviously Aaron Jones made plenty of his own um, 
moves tonight and, and found some space on the field. But there are a couple plays where there's just such a wide gap opening um, in the middle of the offensive line. And I'm not sure um, if it was Elton Jenkins or, or who at different times. I know uh, we had uh, Corey Lindsley out for, for an extended amount of time. And just who was making those plays in the middle that opened up those holes. So uh, give them a little bit of credit for the room that Aaron Jones had to run tonight. And I think they deserve that award as well. Yeah, I like those answers a lot. And kudos to Lucas Patrick for coming in and playing some big minutes with Corey Lindsley out. Uh, I don't I don't think sometimes Corey Lindsley gets the credit that he deserves. Not only is he a really good center, he's a good run blocker, he's a good pass protector, but he also gets all the line calls in. He works really well with Aaron Rodgers. Snaps are almost always clean. So which we we saw a couple go awry from Lucas Patrick today, by the way. They did <laughs> clarify in the the post game, Aaron Rodgers did that those direct snaps to Aaron Jones were not supposed to be direct snaps at all. Oh wow. Yeah, those were were supposed to be to Aaron Rodgers, uh, and oh. uh, they just amazingly went right to Aaron Jones. <laughs> Thankfully, he was lined up on that side of Aaron Rodgers and not on the other. And uh, Jones took both of them for a positive yard. So what could oh, have my. been really disastrous uh, ended up being a positive. So kudos on Aaron Jones for that. But besides the two errant snaps, I thought Lucas Patrick did a really nice job filling in. And just going back to Darius Smith for a moment, something also that Aaron Rodgers noted after the game was the players that were playing through injuries, the Kevin Kings and the Zedarius Smith, you know, particularly, uh, you know, has seen those guys get banged up and keep going back in and keep going back in. It does speak to the to the leadership on this team, and and Roger spoke of that also as well. But uh, I, I just I love the fact that you have this team that is seemingly the, the camaraderie is very, very high. And, uh, you know, you talk about Aaron Jones getting the game ball. He tries to give it to the offensive line. They say, no, it, it's just that, that it's just that type of team. It's a, it's a, who knows what's going to happen as the rest of the year goes on, right? They have a lot of tough opponents coming up and, uh, you never know what's going to happen with injuries or throughout the course of the season. There's a ton of ebbs and flows throughout, but this just has the feeling of a special team just from that camaraderie and that, uh, you know, that, that teamwork and team, you know, that they, they're respecting each other. It's just, I don't even know how to put it exactly, but there's that, there's that something there that's really special to watch. I think you see it the most in the guys who want to be on the field when they have reasons not to be. And I think that that's a special thing. Not that we haven't seen that in the past, but you even see guys that are um, on IR, you know, on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, just blasting out encouragement and cheering on their teammates. And I think that there's something special and, and the team has talked about it, but you just there's something tangible in the way that this team is carrying itself, that they think they seem to believe that there is something special about this group and that they can accomplish special stuff together. And maybe that they're not even firing on all cylinders yet, which is really fun as a fan base to, to think that that's maybe possible. Um, but they definitely seem to all be on, want to be on the field together. And you saw that in those guys who impacted the game the way that they did today with Zedarius and Kevin King and others. So a uh, fun group, and it's really fun to see how excited they are to play together. Yeah, and this was the quote from Rodgers uh, actually after the game. He said, and I quote, I just think we're just a more connected team this year. We're enjoying each other more. We like each other, I think, a little more. We hang out with each other. The locker room is a raucous environment, whether it's a Monday or whether it's right after a big win. I just think guys really play for each other more, and we have that chemistry that because of the leadership that we have, that maybe we've been lacking the last couple years. He went on to say, I like the vibe on the team, and I think we're having a lot of fun. So he's definitely seen it there's definitely that leadership he he quoted or uh, talked about the smiths as well uh and, and what they've brought to this team so it's it's there's something there and i think it's worth monitoring going forward because it's worked out really well for them so far and you can just tell they believe in each other and i, I totally agree with you kyle i i don't think that they have played 
a, anywhere near a complete game yet. And actually, Matt LaFleur said that after the game as well, that he doesn't think they're close to playing a complete game yet, which is really something to think about because they've taken on some really strong teams, whether it be Dallas, Chicago, Minnesota. Uh, and and really, you know, I know I know Denver, you know, hasn't exactly put up things from a record standpoint yet, but uh, they got to win against uh, the Chargers today. And I still think that has the ability to be a team that can surprise some teams from time to time. And then, you know, a tough Philadelphia game, you know, game, even though they lost that one, I thought they were right there with them through the entirety of it. So they have not had an easy schedule so far, and they've really come out better for it uh, at four and one. But uh, I think this is probably a good time to maybe bring us down a little bit. Uh, and that's uh, <laughs> to talk about some of the injuries, not only going into the game, but as kind of the game went on. And we don't know a ton about uh, the significance of some of these injuries yet. So, of course, Devontae Adams, Tony Brown, Jamal Williams were all out uh, injured in this game to begin with uh, and were all inactive. You then had Corey Lindsley go down, and he left for the entirety of the game after he went down. Uh, Zadarius Smith was in and out uh, a few different times. He came back every time, which is a good sign. Also a bad sign that, you know, he had to base be taken off the field three different times he's obviously not totally right something's bothering him so hopefully that that extra day of rest with a Monday night game coming up uh, can help him out Robert Tanyan left the game never came back Darnell Savage left and never came back BJ Goodson I'm not sure on Rashawn Gary if he ever came back or not. I know he went out on that big completion to Zeke Elliott. I wasn't really uh, closely looking to see if he ever came back. I don't know if you noticed anything. But then Kevin King on the interception also left. That's the one after that he clarified that he did not think it was anything serious after the game and that he should be good to go going forward. So a big injury list. Did you see if Gary ever came back at all by chance? No, I didn't, and I was I was looking a little bit, so I did not catch that. But uh, good to hear the comment about Kevin King because I hadn't heard that he clarified that he wasn't too worried about that. So I guess my biggest concern is the Darnell Savage injury, and I haven't been able to find anything um, until we started this podcast that gave me any clarity on what was going on with him. But he would be a big loss if the Packers were to go without him for any, any extended period of time, and that's saying something because he's a rookie. <laughs> Yeah, he is, but he plays fast and he's very aware and he's just he's just been a, a super breath of fresh air in the back of that defense in comparison to what they've had in years in years past. So I agree with you. I think he'd be a massive loss. He was, you know, kind of walking gingerly on the sideline, but it wasn't like he was in a walking boot or anything like that, which is usually a good sign. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. But on the same token, kudos to Will Redman, who I thought really bounced back this week, had a couple big impact plays on special teams. But uh, I'm I'm interested to to look back. I know he was kind of involved in that big touchdown to uh, to uh, Amari Cooper, where he, he couldn't come and make the tackle after Jair uh, couldn't make the tackle. But uh, I, I was encouraged by what I saw in him. Uh, I'm going to be excited to see how he grades out this week as well, but uh, totally with you. I think Darnell Savage would be a big loss from that group. Yeah, I know we're talking about injuries right now, but you were talking about Will Redman, and then we haven't talked about Chandon Sullivan, I don't think at all, and so I just wanted to throw him a bone and say, you know, these are guys that, like, these are below your starter-level players that are really stepping up and making plays in this game. Obviously, Sullivan had the interception, and uh, it's really fun to have that kind of depth in this team, whereas in years past, we've kind of known, like, if your starter is out, you're really going to see a defense pick on that side of the field and and really make some plays. So props to those guys for showing up in a big way in this game and uh, making a mark. 
and I, I mentioned this during the game on Twitter, but totally on brand for Chandon Sullivan, who I think really came into this offseason having maybe next to no chance of making the team. And, and I guess really his his odds of making the team were dependent upon him consistently showing out and making play after play, which uh, when I was at training camp, he did all the time. He was one of my players of the day consistently. Uh, he played well in preseason, consistently making plays. And now he gets on the field for one of the first times and comes up with a big interception as well. So that has been totally on brand for him throughout this, you know, entirety of really his Packers career so far when he's been out on the field. So kudos to him and kudos to this scouting department as well, because if you look at some of the players who either were playing some serious minutes in this game or, uh, you know, made some big plays, you talk about, you know, guys like Chandon Sullivan, who uh, wasn't one of their undrafted free agents, but was an, un- I believe an undrafted guy. And then they, they kind of pick him up. I know Philadelphia had him for a little while, uh, but you look at, you know, whether you want to talk about a Jake Kumaro or a Geronimo Allison, Trey Carson, who we already touched base on, Lucas Patrick's an undrafted guy, Uh, you know, um, Tyler Lancaster in the middle of that defense uh, who played some big minutes for them throughout the course of this season already. So you're you're talking about some back of the roster type guys who've been asked to come in and play big minutes and they've produced when they've needed to. So so kudos, and Robert Tanyan, another one of those guys. So kudos to the scouting staff for finding those back of the end players who can come in and make an impact when they're needed. That goes a long way in providing depth and providing a team that doesn't necessarily have that weak link, even when one of your main guys goes down. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that speaks to the obsessiveness of this podcast when we're talking year long about the Packers and we're talking about the 90 man roster and um, the guys who just seem to have no chance at the start of the offseason, those kinds of things. And it turns out that they're making plays in week five of the regular season that impact the outcome of games. And so, uh, Kudos to you, Packers fans, for keeping up with it all year. If you knew who Chandon Sullivan was, it's because you paid attention all year long, and he's making impact plays out there on the field tonight. Yeah, it's 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 a 53-man roster to start, but you're gonna you know probably see about 70 plus guys uh, play for this team as the the course of the season goes along, just with some of the injuries and some of the transactions that take place through the course of the year. And it's those type of players who are, are going to come in and make an impact. And like I said, kudos to the scouting staff for finding some of those players. Uh, that probably mostly wraps it up for us today in, in regards to today's game. But I do want to take a look around the NFL quickly and kind of discuss their next matchup with Detroit really quick. Of course, uh, the rest of the team will have all uh, all week long, plus uh, an additional day because it's a Monday night game uh, to discuss Packers-Lions. But I just want to get your initial takeaways, maybe a matchup or two that you're looking at. They open as six-point favorites, which I was a little surprised on. Uh, but any uh, anything that you're looking for heading into Detroit who will be coming off of a bye week? I, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a big deal that they have that bye week to come in. And I think that this is a game where they probably would be favored and probably should be favored. But with that extra bye week, obviously the Packers, I think, will be well prepared for this game. LeFleur will have them ready to go. But that is a big deal that they've got that extra time uh, to get a little bit creative and take a look at this tape and see, you know, what Dallas is able to do, see what Philadelphia was able to do. Uh, one matchup that I'm curious to look at, and this is just maybe um, some fandom creeping in here, but I want to watch what TJ. Hawkinson can do in this game. I know he's a rookie. He's a guy that a lot of Green Bay Packer fans wanted in Green Bay. Um, but the Packers had a little bit of trouble um, stopping the, the Eagles tight ends. And so I'm curious to see if Hawkinson uh, has an impact in this game. And I think 
um, especially with the injuries that the Packers have taken on, what adjustments that they'll need to, to make to stop Hawkinson in this game on next Monday night. But I'm excited because I'm going to be in Green Bay uh, next Monday night for uh, for the game. So I'll get to see this one live and in person um, with Andrew Mertig and uh, take that one in there in person. So it's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, hopefully you can uh, bring them some good luck. Uh, I just think some of the injuries uh, are going to be really interesting, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and say that I I hope like heck Devonte Adams is back, so that and I hope that Darius Slay is back for them, so uh, that we can see a, a fantastic Darius Slay versus Devonte Adams matchup, which is always fun. Uh, but I you know I went back and I watched some of that uh, Lions and Chiefs game, and I think one of the reasons that the Lions had some success against Patrick Mahomes, at least as, as much success of teams have kind of had against him, is because they're, they're familiar with playing kind of against Aaron Rodgers and, and doing some, some of the things against Mahomes that they usually do against Rodgers. And, of course, Detroit's had some success doing that lately. So uh, it was a loss that they had, of course, against Kansas City, but I thought they played really well. Uh, there's no moral victories in the NFL, but uh, I think that was an impressive performance, even though they kind of came away on the, on the losing end of it. So I think Green Bay's going to have some stuff to overcome and uh, I like Green Bay's chances but uh, I'm a little surprised that's a six-point favorite for Green Bay kind of going in. Yeah, I definitely think that it's interesting. I think coming into the, the season, we thought that the Lions were kind of the left out team in the NFC North. And it looks like that they're really co- kind of putting some things together there in Detroit. So we will see uh, what comes on Monday night. But I think the Packers hopefully will get to work right away. I think there is a little bit of it. You know, this is a big win in Dallas, an emotional win. And so I hope that we don't get a little bit of that lag coming out of this big win, coming into maybe the team in the NFC North that everyone kind of maybe – took a little bit for granted as uh, as an easy win coming into the season in the division, knowing that this is going to be a team that's ready to go and is probably pretty confident in their abilities, especially the way that they've played the last couple of weeks with uh, Kansas City especially in mind. Yeah, if you look at kind of the MO of the Packers and the Lions over the course of the last, you know, at least the Packers this season and kind of the Lions over the course of the last couple seasons, uh, the Packers this season have been a team that have really started out well and kind of hung on towards the end at times. They, they've usually kind of jumped out to a lead. I'm hoping maybe that Detroit uh, will kind of be maybe a little bit asleep after the bye week and maybe not be uh, quite in rhythm yet. And maybe Green Bay can jump out to one of those big leads again. And then, of course, if you look at you know Detroit over the course of the last few seasons. Matthew Stafford's one of those guys that sometimes can put up some fairly huge numbers in quote-unquote garbage time. So uh, hopefully Green Bay can get out to that big lead and, and maybe they can hold uh, Stafford and company down after that. But yeah, it'll be a really interesting game to two of the teams that are on the top of the NFC North, which kind of brings us to the Bears losing today to the Raiders. Of course, the Vikings beat the Giants. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to kind of keep an eye on either of those games or not, but uh, what were your, 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 I guess, the big thoughts on, on the Bears losing to the Raiders today? I did catch just a little bit of that game, uh, probably about a quarter of it, and I was surprised when I turned it on and saw the score. And so obviously, anytime you play in in London and you cross over the pond, I mean, I think that that's a big thing. Obviously, you know, their quarterback play is something that's going to greatly influence that game, but I think it can't be said enough how much traveling like that impacts a team. And so uh, benefits the Packers that they got that loss on um, the Raiders, you know, <laughs> snuck one out on, on the bears. I did not get to watch any of the Vikings games, so I won't weigh in on that one at all. 
No, I, I think I was I was red zone watching uh, during the noon game. So I, I saw the points where each of the teams were in the red zone pretty much. Uh, they were showing, obviously, a lot of that Bears game towards the end since it was a close game. But, uh, you know, I think the, the the tough thing here for the Bears is, of course, you know, I know Mitch Trubisky is not exactly an all-world quarterback, but uh, Chase Daniel isn't exactly the answer either. And I think, uh, you know, I was a little surprised at, at the line of that one going in as well because, let's be fair, at the end of the day, I know the Bears are, are probably the better football team there but anytime you have a game on a neutral field and uh the the Raiders quarterback is is probably a a, a pretty decent step better than the the Bears quarterback um I kind of like the Raiders odds a little bit maybe more than most people going into that game I didn't necessarily expect them to win uh, I that it's not something I would have bet money on going in but I, I, I kind of like their chances maybe more than most and uh, thankfully they were able to pull out a win even though Trevor Davis had a huge fumble at the one yard line trying to uh you know take a a win away from the Raiders and give it to the the Bears there and hurt the Packers of course but uh no he had he had a couple uh nice plays in that game as well including a big return that set that up actually but uh, Raiders were able to escape pick up the win and uh, thankfully give the Bears a loss yeah, all right uh, Kyle let's uh, just kind of go into some final thoughts before we get out of here uh, any final thoughts that you have about the NFL about the Packers about today's game about going forward I'll let, I'll let you have the floor no, I, I'm just excited. I think this is a fun team that's going to be great to watch the whole season. And I think this is probably like Lafleur has said. I think that they just have to figure out how to put it all together at the same time for 60 minutes and play consistently. And I think that we've seen enough to believe that the pieces are all there. And it's it's fun to feel like the Packers made a good hire in Matt Lafleur, and that we have the future head coach for a long time ahead of us. I think you can be critical of a lot of things. You can be critical of those, you know, first and ten from the one yard line situations but all things considered things are going incredibly well and this is a really fun football team that we're going to get to watch for a long time yeah we've we've seen what the defense is capable of uh, we've seen now the offense has scored more points every single game. So every week that the the the, the season's gone along, they've scored more and more points. Uh, they had 27. They tied 27 and 27 over the course of the last two weeks. But you've consistently seen it gone up, go up every week, and I think that's a positive. And I I do really totally feel that that's the biggest takeaway is they sit at four and one. The one loss was against a very talented and in a way very desperate Philadelphia Eagles team on a short week. Not that that absolves uh, you know you know any uh uh, it absolves the loss or gives them a free pass by any stretch of the imagination, but th- that that's an understandable loss, I guess, is is what I would call it. If you're gonna uh, go four and one over the course of your first five games, but I don't think they've played the, their best football by far yet. Yet here they stand at four and one, four and one, even though they've had a, par- a fairly tough schedule and are two and zero on the road against the the Cowboys and the Bears. So I think this is a really good spot to be in. I think they have a long way to grow, and even though that they are seemingly very very banged up at the moment to a lot of key players at a lot of key positions the one thing i will say and i I shouldn't even say this this is the stupidest thing i'm ever (laughs) going to say they haven't had any real major long-term injuries yet don't say that i know i know But uh, it's also true, and I'm not a true. huge believer in jinxes. There uh, so I'm, I'm going to feel comfortable saying it that you know they. If you look ahead six, seven, eight weeks, uh, you know it, they still look really good for when the the end of the season is hitting. So yes, injuries have hit hard. 
Thankfully, none of those injuries, at least seemingly so far, have been of the serious nature, at least uh, any major ones that would really affect this team down the road. So hopefully it can stay that way. There's going to be injuries and there's going to be major injuries and every team's going to have them. Uh, but you have to find a way to overcome that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they have maybe some of these these knocks, but no major knockout blows. And hopefully that can be the theme going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you get those guys back, you know, if Adams can play next week, great. Uh, but really, you know, if you need to give them another break, you know, I'd be all for just making sure when you get your guys back, you get them healthy because this team is trending in such a positive direction. So, um, yeah, just, you know, take your time, get your guys healthy and then put it all together. And when, you know, the end of the season matters. So uh, lots of good things to look forward to with this team. And at a lot of those positions, they do have some really good depth. So hopefully they can stay that way. They can give some players off as needed. Stay away from the major injuries. Keep things rolling. Start putting a complete game together. And uh, this team could be cooking in no time. And I think the I think there's still uh, I think there's still you know a, a ways to go. I don't think that they they've they've matched what they are capable of doing yet. And uh, I think that's the like I said the biggest takeaway from their four and one start is they're good and they still haven't been great, which is which is really a positive. So. Uh, Kyle, this has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate it. Really do appreciate all the work that you put together with Andrew every single uh, Friday as well. You guys do great work, and uh, I can't appreciate you guys enough. Well, thanks for having me on, man. It was a lot of fun, and uh, go Pack Go. Yeah, go Pack Go. Uh, We'll start getting ready as the week goes on for a tough Lions matchup this coming Monday. Again, Packers are six-point favorites, and we'll break it down for you all week long. Of course, that starts tomorrow as Jake Morley and Ross Uglum. I'm sure they'll touch base on uh, the Lions game a little bit, but I'm sure they're going to be breaking down what they saw uh, from this Packers-Cowboys game as well, so make sure to give them a listen tomorrow. Uh, make sure to follow Kyle at Packer Pundit, Packer underscore Pundit on Twitter, <laughs> uh, and of course, always make sure to follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That does it for us today. For Kyle Fellows, I'm Andy Herman. Enjoy your victory Monday. The Packers are 4-1, and, and as always, until next time, Go Pack Go!